I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. You just wandered into the room of a very special bonus rebroadcast episode of my recent appearance on the Aubrey Marcus podcast, where we talk about my long and winding road of sobriety, psychedelics, and plant medicine. We'll be back with our regular programming on Tuesday, featuring episode 325, BioCybernaut, The Science of Spirituality with Dr. Jim Hart. And make sure to tune in the following week for Aubrey's appearance on this show where we talk about the incredible, ineffable, fantastic world of the Sonoran Desert Toad, Bufo Alvarius, and its medicine, 5-MeO-DMT. Enjoy the show. Luke Story, my man. Welcome back. Great to see you. Great I to see you, I think this too. is the first time I've seen you outside of Austin. Right? Every time it's been, uh, yeah. been in the Batcave. Yeah, it's been in the Batcave. So it's nice to be in a little different environment and see well, you. Well, no, your... I went over to your house. Oh, that's right. Our first one, you came to my apartment in yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, and you that's were right. full on celibate, never touched a plant medicine. Oh You're a God, different guy dude. back then. So much has changed. <laughs> yeah. wow, I've had that's... so much sex and drank so much ayahuasca. <laughs> since then. That's true. <laughs> Just not sex with so many different women. Uh, yeah, know? well, you Finally know. narrowed it down to one, thankfully. But yeah, that was, that was a really interesting period in life when I met you. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to thank you. You were a big inspiration as someone who uh, was able to model an intentional path of plant medicines. And the way you have spoken about it and did speak about those experiences uh, before was instrumental in my willingness to explore that after being like a sober guy for at that point, 22 years. Yeah. I remember you know? we had that conversation and, um, you know, I was explaining the, the difference between taking a drug and taking one of these plant medicines and you kind of got it. But then when you came back on the podcast after doing ayahuasca <laughs> down in, in Costa Rica... And you were like, yeah, it was like being more sober than sober Luke. Yeah. And I was like, exactly. And yeah. so anybody, actually the steward of the second mountain here, you know, Ben Becker, he was talking about people who were criticizing him, people who've been on the sober path and saying, oh, you're just doing drugs, it's a, you know, and correlating it to uh, the drug lifestyle that people have in mind. And and I always refer to you and I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I had a friend who was on that same thing and, and really kind of chosen the sober path because of a, a lifestyle that wasn't serving him with a lot of those, you know, normal street drugs. And what he said is doing these medicines made me more sober than actually just fucking fasting, you know? 100%. 100%. I remember laying there. I'm 22 years sober at this point. I mean, I was, you know, I was in bad shape. I'm sure there's worse drug addicts than me, but I started <laughs> using when I was around eight years old, crystal meth, coke, Moved to Hollywood in 89. Uh, eventually, not eventually, actually, it took me about three weeks to find heroin. <laughs> like, no, it was, it was like right eventually, away. Uh, yeah, because I, I, I was my way to heroin. I worshiped Keith Richards and Johnny Thunders. Those were like my two musical idols. And what made them cool is they were junkies. So I thought, um, but yeah, man, you know, I was just smoking crack. I was an absolute wreck. And so when I got sober, it was rehab meetings, 100% abstinence. And that's really what I thought was the only way. And so I catch my brothers ran up the hill. Um, 
I remember going up for the first cup of ayahuasca and just going, fuck, I hope the trust that I feel in myself is real. Mm -hmm. And you know how it is. And I kind of waited that out, maybe 45 minutes, an hour, dropped in with some hape and just felt really still and centered. And my mind went so quiet. Oh, man. It was very impactful to be that still. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been meditating <clears throat> those whole 22 years, but that 45 minutes of meditation, knowing that it was probably going to be the second cup that sent me into the experience. Oh man, I just had such presence. And when I went up and drank the second cup of that <laughs> goddamn licorice Jägermeister, <laughs> I remember you telling me it tastes nasty. And I was like, oh, I, I can yeah. drink anything. You know, I was like, now after eight or so ceremonies now. It's like, like yeah, dirt no, mixed with fire. <laughs> I'm not in a hurry to drink ayahuasca socially. Um, but I, I took the second cup, went back, kept meditating. And man, when it came on, after that many years of having no mind-altering substances at all, it was so powerful. It hit me so goddamn hard. And it was instant bliss and love and such a deep knowing that, oh man, that I could trust myself. Mm. You know, because when you're an addict, it's like we have such a propensity and skill for deluding ourselves. And that's why so many people don't make it, you know, that are really afflicted. Because you can talk yourself in and out of anything. The self-rationalization and denial is just, it's an art form when you've lived for many years as an addict. And when that medicine hit me, it was just like, I'm safe. (laughs) I'm free. I don't need to live in the confines of, I got 22 years of sobriety and I sponsor a bunch of guys and da, 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 which the structure of that life saved me. And I'm very grateful because that's still the, that basis of principles is still what guides my life. Mm -hmm. So there's no, there's no getting away from that. The spiritual principles that I learned in recovery are just inherent to who I am as a man. But there's also a certain lane that you got to stay in in order to feel safe. And in that moment, I realized that that lane had turned into a super highway and that the possibilities for me were much bigger than I had ever imagined. And when I told you that I felt more sober, I think that was at a point at which I laid back and the medicine was just so strong, dude. And I asked the question of consciousness or of the medicine am I sober? And the answer that came back to me was that you've never been so sober in your entire life as you are in this moment, which can sound weird to someone who's in recovery, but the meaning I took away from that was because that medicine opens a portal and lifts the veil between your waking personality and consciousness and all of the programming that kind of runs us, that's running each of us in this conversation to some degree or another, all of that is just dismantled. And my mind was so quiet and there was such an experience of oneness and unity that I thought that's true. I am really, really sober right now. Now, if you did a field test on me, (laughs) probably couldn't have walked to the bathroom, you know, like shitting my pants, but... uh, (laughs) 
But it really was a profound experience and that has led to so much more exploration. And, you know, we can talk about some of those things, but, but yeah, you were one of the guys I thought, I don't, I don't think this guy's doing this to escape. You know, it's like, mm. got a good life, seem a happy, healthy guy. Uh, you don't seem like the drug addict type and to hear you and Kyle and other guys like that share their experiences and, and many others that have, it was just like, wow, I actually can give myself permission to have this experience. And yeah. what has happened as a result is just my life has exponentially exploded in the best way yeah. in all areas of life. It's amazing, man. <clears throat> and the funny thing about that is, because I've looked at it and I've, you know, I've talked to my mentors in sobriety that are 30 years sober and have helped guide me. And one of them called to check on me and he's like, not so much check on me, but just like, dude, what was that like? Are you okay? Is, I hear you're doing a lot of this stuff. And I said, well, let me think about it. Let me be honest. You know, Has my life improved? Does it pass the acid test? Or as the principle says, by their fruits, you shall know them. And I just started categorically going through the different areas of my life in which I'm doing my best to excel, grow, heal, expand. And it's just like business, relationships, self-esteem, money management, all of the 3D stuff has actually become much more manageable and much more successful in contrast to if I were to pick up a drink at the end of this podcast, in all honesty, I have no idea where I would even end up tonight. Mm. It could be like in downtown LA looking for crack, with a hooker in a motel room. And I'm not even being dramatic, you know, and my life would just go, and I know this is true because I used to do this all the time, <laughs> get cleaned up a little bit and then, you know, oh, just tonight, I'm going to just have one hit, you know, or whatever. So ridiculous. But the contrast between that and someone who's relapsing and a guy like me to relapse means there's no more fiance, there's no more house, there's no more career. The money's gone, the self-worth is gone. The moral character that I've built over the past you know, now almost 24 years gone, all of that just evaporates when someone like me uses drugs. So the, um, the fact that I've had a lot of experiences with psychedelics and plant medicines since that first one, and my life continues to get better, kind of continues to baffle me because it so contradicts the wisdom of the recovery world. Right. which basically started in 1935. And that wisdom was, if you want to stay sober off that stuff over there, you got to stay sober off everything. Yeah, it's making a clear distinction between drugs and medicines. Yeah. You know, and that's, I think, why we use the word. You know, anybody who drinks ayahuasca doesn't call it a drug. You know, <laughs> and that's just what people who are lobbing insults and trying to, because of their own fear or their own projections, are trying to categorize it as something else. That's the word they use. Yeah. But nobody on the inside actually uses that word. Now, I still do drugs. And do medicines, you know, so like, and I'm not- You're one of the lucky ones. (laughs) And it's, you know, so I understand that there's, and I I understand the difference and I know, I know, you know, I know that difference very well. I, and I think what you're saying is really, you know, about being more sober on these medicines. We're, we're always drunk on the illusion, on Maya, the grand illusion of our own mind and our own projections and our own limitations and all of this stuff. And then these things come in and we remember the unborn, undying truth of who we are at the deepest core level and the nature of all humanity around us in the earth that every single person living is a reflection of us living a different life, that we're all infinite facets of the same diamond, you know? 
and different articulations of the one. And we get that and we're like, oh, now I'm sober. And now everything (laughs) that I've been thinking about all of these other people I've been judging is all me being full of shit, me being drunk. Yeah. And then, so that's why it feels more sober because you feel like you're tapping into that truth that's always true. Whereas we're constantly in in our own illusion, in our own little mental fiction. Yeah. I think that's, you know, one, one distinction that's really important when you think about the concept or the principle of sobriety. If you look up sobriety in the dictionary or just sober, it says of sound mind, of rationality, being thoughtful. You know, you say sober as a judge. It doesn't mean they're not drinking. It means that their thinking is sober, right? They're, yeah. they're on point. They're on right. track. And you're right. So many of us walk around, myself included, just completely captured in our thoughts and sensations and feelings and ideas about, you know, the projections of what we think reality is presenting in every, every given moment. That said, you can't be on the medicine forever. You know? so it's <laughs> right. like, I guess you could, but you'd have a very wild ride and probably a hard time driving anywhere. But <laughs> it's like the integration then for me has been the most important part. And this is something I've had to really kind of pump the brakes on in terms of the frequency with which I'm going off and doing journeys. Because every time I've done it, I've had such incredible breakthroughs. I mean, just light years of progress spiritually, psychologically in every way. So that makes me think, shit, I should just do this every weekend. So the integration has been really important for me to slow down and pace myself a bit. And and my fiance, Allison, pointed this out to me um, and God bless her because when she met me, she did, she'd only known the new post-medicine version of me, really. Yeah. And she didn't see the 22 years of hard labor I was putting in as a sober guy. So she's like, wow. I mean, she's a shaman. Like, she's not against medicine, but she's like, you might want to look at, like, the frequency and the variety. You know, you're, you're going off pretty hard. And, and I took a break, and she was so right. And it was a perfect time because I realized that I was so driven to just keep healing and exploring and growing that... I had skipped some of those points of integration to Mm. really stop and sit like with the DMT experience, you know, like that's not something you just walk away from and like, cool, I'm just going to go to work tomorrow and just get back to life. Mm. Everything changes, but what changed? It takes time to stop and pause and really integrate that experience. And the DMT experience for me- Which type of DMT? With the toad. Yeah. Was, um, it was past lives, man. It was- grieving multiple deaths on the Ganges in India. I mean, it was a connection to my mother. It was, I mean, so deep. And because that medicine tends to kind of seemingly wear off, or at least the peak experience rather quickly, as you know, it was sort of like, okay, cool, check those boxes onto the next thing. But really, you know, <laughs> how, how about we just take a pause and really you know, whether it's journal, journaling or meditating or or even acting on some of the insights that come, you know, it's like, huh, what did those visions and realizations actually mean? And, and how can I integrate them into my life to help build structure rather than to fray? Because the medicines can really make you fray too, because it's just like, oh my God, you you enter into these other realms and it's I think for many people, and me included, it's a little easy to get caught up in in the mystical nature of those experiences without, you know, really stopping to go, okay, why did God, consciousness, and the medicine all combined give me this realization? What am I to do with it? How can I integrate it into this incarnation? 
and really use it to evolve and grow instead of just rush on to the next one and keep racking up those realizations. And, mm-hmm. and one thing I'd like to say before I forget too, um, you know, for people in sobriety and recovery, I absolutely have to give the disclaimer and the caveat that I do not recommend that everyone does plant medicines or psychedelics, whether they're not in sobriety or not. Um, I think for me, it took a lot of deep inner inventory and honesty to determine what my motive was and to really be sure after all those years, it was something that was going to benefit me. And also just an incredible amount of honesty as to why I wanted to do that. You know, was I trying to escape once again? So I found out it's not an escape, it's an inscape. Um, so I don't recommend those medicines for someone who wants to escape their problems, you know, because your problems mm-hmm. are going to get bigger in your awareness. Yeah, until the way, you deal the with way out is through. Yeah, totally. So, you know, I just like to say that as a sense of responsibility. I know some people are new in recovery. You know, I don't know if I had been a year or five years sober, if I went off and did ayahuasca, it would have taken me out. I tend to think not, but... I think it's important for people to really do their due diligence and, and you know, you know, set and setting and who you're sitting with. And totally. all of that stuff is so important because when you open those realms into those dimensions, there's all kinds of energies in there and you need protection and you need guidance. And, uh, you know, the grid that's being created by who's ever holding the space and the ceremony is so important. And I've been really lucky in that regard. But I mean, I hear people just, Let's go to Topanga this weekend and do, you know, do medicine. I'm like, nah, with who? Like, how, where do we sleep? You know what I mean? Like, is someone driving us home? Does this, how experienced is the shaman? Like, right. how long they've been serving? Who are they trained by? Like, I want to know all of that information before I walk into any kind of situation. So just want to say that I don't want to be irresponsible and, you know, lead people to think that their experience is going to be what mine has been and that I'm going to stay sober the rest of my life. And continue to grow and flourish. It might not be that way for everyone. And I've also met people that couldn't get sober, many of them that have done medicine and it struck them sober. And there's research showing that. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's wide open, but I can only speak from my heart and my experience. And my experience has been 100% of the time, absolute win. The exception (laughs) of one kind of sketchy ketamine journey that was (laughs) self-guided. I could give another disclaimer later if you want to get into that, but... Other than that one time where I'm pretty sure I died and got trapped in another very dark dimension. Um, I think it was the wrong playlist. <laughs> yeah, too, yeah, the music in Ketamine yeah. is very important. I fucked up. Dude, I'll tell you what I did. <laughs> very important. I might as well tell the story. All right. I'll try to make it quick in the interest of time. But I've been doing light ketamine journeys under the guidance of an MD that I work with. He sends uh-huh. me peptides and we do all kinds of great stuff. Great. And um, Likewise. Yeah. And, you know, so he sent me this nasal spray of ketamine and oxytocin. He said, you know, be careful, don't drive, blah, blah, blah. But it's great for meditation. So I'll, I'll go listen to my new calm tracks or go in the hyperbaric chamber and just do light, you know, 30 minute meditations, listen to Dispenza, that kind of stuff. And I usually do about two squirts in each nostril, which was a total of about 300 milligrams of ketamine. And it was a deep journey, but I never felt like, do I still exist? So homie sends me these lozenges. He's like, yeah, we're not doing the spray now. And the spray is real nasty. You ever done it? Of course. That's, yeah, it's gnarly. The uh, so fast like, dissolves or the trochies? What'd you get? Uh, fast dissolves. Yeah. Which I didn't realize the difference. <laughs> first I did trochies. So one night I've, I, I'm going to bed. My lady Allison is asleep next to me. 
And I, you know, I've been, I maybe done a couple light journeys while she was around, but she was asleep. I didn't want to wake her up. And I was wide awake. So I thought, oh man, how boring. And what I'm just going to lay here. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I got those lozenges. And I looked on the thing, it said 300 milligrams. I kind of did the math in my head and took a 300 milligram lozenge, put it on my tongue. And then I didn't choose the music. And this was my mistake. One of them, well, there was many mistakes that night, but I just picked like ketamine playlist on Spotify. <laughs> What? There's a ketamine yeah, player? There's a lot Spotify? of them. And there's some good stuff in there, but I didn't pre-qualify each track. And so I like to listen to ceremonial music when I journey, you know, or yeah, Kundalini sure. mantra. Like I want like deep spiritual music when I'm going to enter those realms. This ketamine journey was like, <laughs> you know, just weird sounds like what you'd hear at Burning Man or something, just crazy ass electronic, metallic, inorganic, space age sounding stuff. And I took that ketamine dude, 10 minutes in, <laughs> I couldn't move my body. I was basically paralyzed and it was so psychedelic, dude, but not colors and, you know, fractals and like you'd get on mushrooms or ayahuasca or LSD or anything like that. It was like just this black void, kind of like white noise when yep. a TV channel doesn't have a signal anymore. And it went into this gray sort of void. It's just and, called the void. And because I couldn't move, I realized, and, and there was no body and really barely any personality or consciousness left. There was enough to go like, am I still alive? Am I here? Then what happened was the bed disappeared. My lady disappeared. The house disappeared. My identity, this lifetime, Laurel Canyon, Los Angeles, the whole world just kind of disintegrated. And I was just in consciousness which is fine, but I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to come back. Mm -hmm. So I thought that I had either died, like overdosed or something, which incidentally is very hard to do on ketamine. That's why they use it on small animals and infants for surgery and whatnot. But I thought I either died or I was in this void, gray, milky dimension and there was no coming back to my life. My life was not there anymore. And it was, it was scary. Um, but also deeply transformative because I had no choice but to just surrender and die mm. if that was to be the case. And I just hoped that that I think I'm still here. I just here. hope this playlist ends. Yeah. This is my bardo. <laughs> it was this is purgatory where I'm going to be. Honestly, the playlist was part of it. It was really, really strange music. Um, I've listened to it like, you know, just normal and it doesn't sound that extreme, but with headphones on, cranked, laying there. And I think the other thing was too, the mistake for the people listening was I didn't tell someone I was going in. Like if she had been there beside me and could like nudge me and say, babe, you're still here. You know, it would have been fine, but I was all alone. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to wake her up and have her call 911 if I was dead or dying or something, you know? <laughs> so it was that, that like contributed to the feeling of being stuck and trapped in the abyss and in the void is because there was no one there to pull me back out or let me know that I was okay or anything. So I think personally, if I ever did a, a deep journey like that on that medicine, I would definitely do it with a therapist, you know, that's there really holding space and knows you and your story and can really, you know, ensure you that your consciousness has room to move around the ethers and that your body's still there and you get to come back and all that. Yeah, the music is absolutely crucial. And I do some deep journeys, deep solo journeys on ketamine and I'm pretty comfortable, but I, you go to those places where... <laughs> It's so it's a, not actually technically a psychedelic it's dissociative. So yeah. it takes you to the place of just pure consciousness. And the, the interesting thing about it is it's one of the harder things to 
have like recollection of your downloads and insights. I've had been there so many times in a really deep journey where I'm fully dissolved and I'm just there <laughs> floating the cosmos. And I'm like, that is the most important thing that I've ever, ever discovered. Right. And I'll keep journeying and be like, fuck, what was the most important thing that I've ever discovered? Yeah, yeah. And that'll happen four times. And I'll be like, yeah. oh my God, how could I keep forgetting this? But it's just like your brain itself, that storage computer that like, that houses all of our memory and information, that's like barely online as well. That's and a good point. So it's like, that's it's, a good point. Yeah. it's definitely a, a powerful medicine, but all these things are to go to your former point. They're powerful medicines and they should not be taken lightly. Like, you have to have the experience and the right, you know, setup to go in there in the right container. Um, otherwise, you're just playing with fire. Yeah. You know, the beautiful yeah. part about the void, and I'm curious about this for you. When I've gone into the void, the abyss where there's just nothing there. <laughs> and then, you know, like you go into the astral and there's energies and encounters with beings yeah. and visions and flowers and chrysanthemum. And it feels very alive. Yeah, it does. You, know? it does, you go yeah. to the void, there's nothing there. Yes. Emptiness on emptiness yes. on emptiness forever. And it would be like if God, you know, was just like, nah, no creation. <laughs> just, just, just be here alone. Exactly. And you understand this, like this, a loneliness that you can't even comprehend. Like yes. where even a stone, like if a stone appeared in the abyss, <laughs> you'd be like, ah, oh, my friendly pet rock, my dear friend rock. Oh my God. That's so glad so to true. see you. But there, so, but when I came out of it, when I was there and it was actually a, an NNDMT, a mimosa trip that actually took me to the void. When I came out, I was looking around my room and I was like, Oh man, all my walls and my Buddha and my little trinkets and artifacts. And then I went to the kitchen and my snacks and then my people that were there. I was so grateful that things exist yeah. and that I exist in a physical world where I have a body and I have the ability to move and there is differentiation and articulation. Oh, that's such a great way to explain what that experience is like. And I think that's why it was so, I mean, it wasn't, I was going to say alarming. It's probably an overstatement, but it, definitely made me squirm a little bit yeah. because there was just nothing and other medicine experiences. Like you said, there's, especially with ayahuasca, I mean, there's just, there's entities. I mean, I never see, you know, like an alien come in the room I and mean, some people have those kind of things or you see a panther or something. It's not that with me. It's just, I know that the consciousness of that plant is alive and it's mm -hmm. pulsating within me and there's something or someone there with me. Yeah. It's not just empty space. It's never empty. There's always this undulating frequency and dimensional shift and meandering. And even in some deep mushroom journeys I've had, it's been the same, same yeah. way. You know, I feel connected to God and my ancestors and even whoever's in the room guiding. And it's, it's definitely like, even in, in the DMT, it, for that first couple of minutes, there's like nothing, you know, there's not even a void, you know, it's beyond the void maybe. But still it, in very short order, I'm aware that my loved ones are there and, and my sure. you know, fellows that I'm journeying with. And so it's, you know, it can be jarring, but not like that where you're just like, oh shit, everything's gone. <laughs> and I think I'm not attached yeah, to this yeah, yeah. life and this body and my name and all these things that we identify with, I like to think like, oh, I could just let it all go and lie down and die tomorrow, like some Indian guru. And it's like, no, you ain't there. <laughs> you know. Well, especially if that was death and, and it's not. Right. Know? I think that's right. like, that's a particular loka, a particular bardo that's there to teach us about, to appreciate, you know, differentiation. It's, a, you know, it's, and it's not unicity. It's not the everything, it's the nothing, you know, right? right? Because the 5-MEO journey, the toad journey, 
we'll take you to the everything. Yes. And everything yes. is perhaps not articulated. It is homogenous to a certain degree, but it's everything, every cry, every orgasm, every scream, every laugh, every color, every sound, everything is there. And it's just all expressed. And all you can go is love or God. Like the, you don't have another word for the all, yeah. but it's it's so rich. And then the contrasted with the the nothing. Mine was actually almost like a dull brown. Yours was mm-hmm. gray, but mm-hmm. it was the same thing. So you know like, what I'm talking about? Oh, There's for sure. Just nothing there. Nothing. Just a dull. <laughs> like where's dull the where did the world go? It's like <laughs> yeah. the world's gone. What the fuck? Uh, yeah, know? the world and then the univ capital U universe. Yeah. It was all gone. Yeah. I think yeah. that is, you're right. That is, that's the part about it that's challenging is because it's not the unity. It's not the consciousness where when people have near-death experiences, they're like, trust me, dying's awesome. Yeah. Every person I've ever known that's died, and I know a few of them, they're like, dude, you look down at your body and it looks so stupid. You look at your <laughs> body and like, oh, I don't want to go back in that thing. This is awesome. I'm home. Yeah, but the the ketamine journey is not home. <laughs> it's a lack of home. Yeah. But but still, you know, as we were talking about integration, I thought, well, what was the point of that? Like, what instigated me to do that, other than just kind of boredom and curiosity, and and also, what can I bring back from that experience? And I think that if that's the void, and that's as bad as it gets, if you've got decent karma on your side, it's okay. It, it was ultimately okay. Mm-hmm. It's just that because it wasn't that allness of consciousness, it was a bit surprising. Yeah, I was not expecting to go to a place where there's nothing. I expected, if anything, to go to a place where there's more. Because in those full consciousness yeah. moments, it's more than this. It's not like you miss the material world, you see through it and it all becomes... Um, it all becomes uh, transparent in a way, mm. you know, like, you know, that this is not solid for real Yeah. when you're on those other medicines and it's there or not there, it doesn't really make a difference. But when nothing's there, it's, um, it's a different type of lesson. I've never talked to anybody who's actually found themselves in the void more than once, which is, which is interesting because oh, I've talked wow. to like a lot of people who've journeyed and I wonder it's, I think part of it is the fear and surprise of being in that. But I wonder if maybe we've gotten close to that place before, but because of our comfort level, we're able to just manifest through, like call through the quantum, like intersperse into that, into that local dimension. But I'm, I'm curious if, uh, if there are people who found themselves like multiple times in the void because I've never I've never actually heard I would of that. Stop doing medicine. I think <laughs> yeah, if that I was, was like the fucking experience. void again. Well you know it's funny after that I was like, whoa, ketamine is no joke. I yeah, and yeah. I didn't journey for a while after I think recently I did just a couple little nose sprays and meditate and I was very cautious. Actually yeah. I've done it twice since that happened. And both times I was more deliberate about it and and it was great. It was great. I got what I wanted. Like to really, you mentioned that quantum. I mean, ketamine done well with the right guidance and the right dosage really has the ability to allow you to tap into that realm and and work on things. Now, whether you remember them or not is, is another yeah, thing. That, that is definitely know? a factor. Um, because dude, out of all the other journeys I've done, every big leap forward in terms of realization I've come back with and I remember, and my memory usually sucks. Mm-hmm, but I've too. come back with it. I've written about it. I'm writing a book right now. A lot of the book was informed by realizations I've had on medicine. I mean, going back to the moment <laughs> I was born, I mean, like shit that you just, you don't know, you know. It's like Brandy from Rhythmia. She made these shirts. They say dare, you know, like dare uh-huh. to keep kids off drugs. It says, 
dare, drink ayahuasca, remember everything. <laughs> a great shirt. And it's so true, yeah. right? Because you're tapping into the quantum and the subconscious and the superconscious in a way that, I don't know. I mean, you could do Vedic meditation for 80 years and get there. But in one night for me, I'm just like, let's do this. The, the other way, and I haven't talked to you since I'd had this journey and my audience has heard a lot about it, so I won't go too deep into it, but the other transformational medicine that I experienced this year was the darkness retreat. So I went six days in absolute pitch black darkness, <laughs> pitch silence and absolute isolation. And starting- Like on, a six day float tank? Well, no, it was like basically like <laughs> an mean, Airbnb that... blacked out, completely blacked wow. out, right? So I wasn't floating in anything. So yeah, the yeah. only sensation I had was touch, right? And a taste when they brought food outside of this blacked out hallway, but there's not- ever a difference for six days there's no difference between light open your eyes open or eyes closed and you completely lose track of time they serve your food at different time to completely disorient you so you're not even tracking time you don't know when you're sleeping when you're awake did i sleep for three hours or seven hours i don't fucking know like here i am back in the darkness i'm in the dark world and there's no <laughs> music there's no nothing there at all wow it's just you in the darkness and that so that's its own you know different radical world that you're entering where you're beyond the ordinary world, everything you understand, which has its benefit in its own. But then starting day three, there's an endogenous DMT release. And look, I know there's some people who are like, that hasn't been proven. I've had so many DMT experiences and I promise you, like I know what a DMT experience is and this is what it was. It was like just before peak or just after peak of an ayahuasca journey. And it was incessant, unending for three days straight. What? I was journeying and I had my aura ring on. So I know how much I was sleeping. I was sleeping about two, three hours a night because the visions were so intense. I couldn't fall asleep. Is this a common experience for people? Everybody, go this? everybody, really? everybody. It's some, some people takes five days. For me, it took three probably because I've been there so often and it yeah. was, my brain was habituated to that state of being. Wow. And, uh, and it was fucking wild, man. And so that's the interesting thing for people who are like, I don't want to ingest anything. Cool. Like just go into the blackness, the absolute blackness for a week and wow. you, you'll get to, you'll get to that same vision state. And that's, you know, I think that's one of the cheat codes that I didn't really, I didn't know anything about. You know, I heard a couple of people talking about it. I was like, oh, I fucking got to try this. And, uh, and I did. And that's, as I look forward, you know, towards the future of my, you know, experiences, I'm still going to do ayahuasca. I'm booked out in, in January going to Soltara and, I'm still going to do the other journeys, but this is the thing where I'm like, there's a lot here that I want to wow, keep exploring. That makes it is, so much sense. Yeah. That makes so much sense, you know, because, and for people that don't believe the endogenous DMT thing, I mean, if you do the right kind of Kundalini yoga or breath work, right. you're tripping balls. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I, even when the, when the um, ayahuasca came on for me the first time, I mean, you know, I'll be honest, it was much stronger than I got from a breath work experience, but I, I knew that territory a little bit from from doing kundalini yoga for eight years and all kinds of ways that you move your body and the mantra and mudras and um and all of the breath work you know and yep. and you can get there um but man that's a whole other thing what's that experience called darkness retreat <laughs> oh, and there's there's not many places in the world that's doing it i'm looking forward Where was to like that? it was in uh near frankfurt germany oh my god i've never heard of that that's so wild i have a feeling i would like it because when i go float I'm in heaven. I mean, you know, that's two, maybe three hours, not six yeah. days granted. So, you know, I don't want to sound like a tough guy, but I'm not one that just trips out with lack of stimuli. 
Mm. I, I like being in a place where I can just allow consciousness to explore and expand. And I think you would, man. Yeah. I think wow. You would. Damn. Another thing I got to put on my list. God damn. I, uh, I, I highly <laughs> recommend it. I highly recommend it. So we're talking about, and I want to, I want to segue into this. We're talking about, you know, how people are, can easily be drunk on Maya, drunk on the illusion of the world. When you're looking out at the world and you're walking around and there's this mass COVID, you know, hysteria going on, obviously um, there's a lot of opinions <laughs> on what this actually is, but certainly mm. I don't think anybody can argue that this has reached a hysterical level. You know, when the Health Canada is recommending that people have sex through glory holes and, you know, Governor Newsom is saying, you know, no Christmas carols and no more than <laughs> yeah. two, two households you have for to sing softly. <laughs> like he you said that. That was a, <laughs> sometimes like people send me these memes and shit. I'm like, ah, oh, that's a funny meme. And I'm like, no, that's the actual article. <laughs> you know, like this was in the paper. This is yeah. this is the real mandate. Yeah, right. Yeah. Wild. And the same thing about that. Like you think it's a joke that that the British Columbia Health Department would recommend that people have sex through glory holes, like cutting a hole in a wall and sticking I mean, it could be hot. In. You know, <laughs> depending on the circumstances, but, but not the, if it's, I don't, you know, I don't like having my sexual life mandated, you know, first right, off, but unless you, you're both agreeing on some kind of dynamic listen, like that. I'm not saying that if you want to have fun with a glory hole and be yeah. like, I wonder who's on the other side, fucking go for it. Live your life, you know, do what you want to do. But it's reached a clearly like a hysterical level and you have to say, oh, the world's a little drunk right now. Like we're not sober. We're not sober. Oh, and and you've talked to a lot of people who are on the very like edge on your podcast. You talked to Dr. Rashid Batar, you've talked to David Icke, you've had a lot of people, you've been outspoken in your own opinions, you know. Yeah. And so what do you what do you see when you look out at the world? And what is what's you what have you been informed by by some of the guests that you've had on? Also, Dr. Thomas Cowan. He was one of yeah, the first I had Dr. Guys. Tom Cowan yeah, on my yeah, podcast. Great too. guy. Great guy. Yeah, it's funny. When I interviewed him. I went into a couple of areas that were, I didn't know he didn't want to talk about it. It was one of the only interviews I've ever had where someone was like, just stonewalled. I was like, oops, wrong, wrong avenue. <laughs> I was like, what? We, you knew we were going to be talking about controversy. It might've been vaccines or something, but yeah, I've, I mean, I've talked to some brilliant people and I think Aubrey, I've just been always someone who, I just don't take things at face value. You know, it's the punk rock kid in me, man. It's just like, I've never trusted the government if you look at all world governments uh, throughout history at their track records and the atrocities that they've committed on humankind, I think if anyone trusts the government without asking questions, they are absolutely foolish. And I'm mm -hmm. just going to make that blanket judgment. I mean, you know, I could go on and on and on about every Holocaust and every false flag and false information that's been perpetuated on us people. But here's what I think. When you're out in nature, and you see a deer, or you're lucky enough to see a bear, or you see a trout, you see a red-tailed hawk, you see the trees, you see the rivers. We've been indoctrinated into a system and given a birth certificate, at least in this country, and a social security number that has designated us as not a part of that. You're a natural man. I'm a natural man. Any woman listening is a natural woman. That's our God-given right. When you see a deer, you're them. Mm. That's what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> Someone a long time ago, 
for whatever their motives were, I'm guessing just drunk on power and control and motivated by selfishness and greed and uh, the desire to dominate others, set about the planet with boats and ships and artillery and swords and went to decimate and indoctrinate every native indigenous culture on the planet and have almost successfully stamped out every natural human being from their natural environment. Now, granted, I love air conditioning, internet, iPhones, cars. Cool. I'm playing the game. They gave me a birth certificate. I am now really owned by the state, by the United States of America, right? So within that system, if I want to live within that system and be able to, you know, be a part of it, then I've signed up for taxes and driver's license and passport and all of those things, right? But those entities that removed us, many of us without our consent and placed us in the society we're in are still doing the same thing that they did when they went around and ravaged all of the people that were living naturally in the world. And I'm not even, I don't even know who that person is, you know, mm. David Icke calls it the cult, you know, Alex Jones calls it the Democrats or whatever, you know, <laughs> and they take on many faces and I don't think that it can really be named, but there are people it's almost like an archetypal force. Yeah, right? like it, you start it is. to understand that these entities that we encounter in the medicine space, for example, they have a they have an essence, and people, any person, can just tap into that essence of power and oppression, which has an overmind or an oversoul, an energetic imprint in the cosmos itself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I come at this whole COVID thing as someone who realizes that karmically, I've chosen to come here and be a part of the system and be owned by the state. So while I'm someone who does my best to expose a different point of view, talk to a controversial doctor, talk to a controversial David Icke, bring other voices to the table, and in a sense, kind of fight the system, I also know that it's part of all of our karmic plan to be within that system mm -hmm. and to learn the lessons that we have to learn from it. So. I do my best with this whole thing to share information and help awaken others to alternative points of view while at the same time, and I'm not always successful at this because I get pissed at that system and what it's done to humankind over the course of history is wear it with a light garment, you know? So <laughs> if I go into Erwan to get my fucking green juice or whatever, and then Sarah, you have to have a mask. You know, there's a side of me that's like, I'm a natural man. Fuck you. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> fuck you. You don't go tell a deer what to, what the fuck? I'm a human ape, man. I'm free. Fuck off. <laughs> I do. It pisses me off because I know and it's based on a like, lie. And you're free to get your green juice elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know it's a lie. So there's, you know, that part of me, but there's also like, oh, okay, you know, this is the game yeah. and everyone's in the game. And some people are more, <sighs> some people are more trusting and they're more invested in the game. And so now we have this division of kind of the maskers and the anti-maskers. And it's really interesting to observe because it's really parceled out kind of two different types of people. It's the people who question and think in a more autonomous, um, self-inquiring way. And then it's the people that out of their own virtue and fear, just blindly follow the narrative and don't ask questions and judge someone like me who's like, I'm not playing this whole game. I'm not in this game. I'm in it, but I'm not in it. And I'm going to mm -hmm. be out of it as I can uh, as someone who's inconsiderate or selfish. When to me, I view someone who just blindly follows the dictates of a corrupt government system that has done nothing but 
harm humans since its inception, that they are indeed selfish and part of the problem because they're blindly like sheep walking into this belief system without arming themselves with the facts. So no judgment. Anyone wants to wear masks? Like, dude, that's great. I'm all for personal empowerment, individual choice and expression. But I'm also curious enough to do a bit of research and find out that the statistics that we were given on this thing, that we're being given on this thing, are not based in fact. And so that leads me to the inquiry of, well, why is this being done? And that's the big question. You know, we know that it is being done to whatever degree there's a danger in our midst. I personally don't believe that viruses are generally dangerous. I'm not someone that really buys into germ theory. I buy into the terrain and it's that way with the environment and our inner environment. It's a whole other conversation. I'm probably not even equipped to describe, but... That's Tom Cowan's whole... You know what I'm saying? So you've interviewed people like that. They can go back in the show notes and listen to someone much more eloquent than me at explaining (laughs) it. But that just makes sense to me. You know, it's just... I interviewed Zach Bush, same thing. I'm like, what? There's millions of viruses everywhere all the time. It's like we've evolved with these things, right? So I think that what has happened is the measures that have been taken have caused exponentially more harm on humankind than this virus, or frankly, any virus we've known probably could. And that is the loss of livelihood, the loss of human connection, the the traumatization of our young, walking around in masks, being afraid of a virus. Well, let alone the increase in domestic abuse, child abuse, online child sex solicitation, which is up almost 100%, you know, famine and all these things mixed with the opportunity cost of we spent a couple trillion dollars bailing out the economy. It would take a quarter of that to end world hunger, according to the World Food Bank's estimations, like 330 billion and another 120 billion to provide clean water for the whole world. And we're talking about 12 million lives a year that we could save with what we've done to, you know, (laughs) quote, protect ourselves from this threat. So you start to look at this well, this nuanced picture and we're going, wait, what are we doing here, everybody? And that's, I think, the most important thing. And it's not that you have to have radical compassion for everybody who's blindly following this theory, just like, you know, you have to have compassion for Luke's story, The Addict. You were able to delude and convince yourself of a million things and your agency was reduced to a very small amount because of these unseen, unconscious forces within your own self that were blinding you to the truth. You know, your own fears, your own desires, your own desire to escape from the traumas that you experienced as a child. You know, I know you had a a very traumatic childhood. And so all of these things that are compelling you. So, all right, did you have a choice? Yeah, kinda. (laughs) Did somebody else who's, you know, following the system like this, do they have a choice? Kinda. It's like free will has a little bit of elbow room. And so you have to have compassion for people who are caught in the program and say yeah. like, look, I love you. And I, I'm telling you, there's another way to look at this. And whenever you're ready, like, I'd love to have the conversation. Yeah, that's, that's really important, you know, because every individual that incarnates has their own karma to play out, right? And so I guess mine was some version of that that was question everything all the time, including yourself. You know, it's not just like, oh, I don't believe, I know everything. So I'm going to question the government and the evil powers that be. It's like, no, any decision I make, I always have to check myself. What am I doing? Why am I doing it? Am I in truth? Am I in integrity? 
what is my motive here? I mean, I don't have to babysit myself that much these days, but for big decisions and even things like, you know, what am I going to do when I get on the airplane and they demand me to wear a mask? Am I willing to get kicked off the plane because I don't believe in these fucking toxic <laughs> No, you just drink, you masks? just drink your drink really slowly. Yeah. Well, I, I, I found a way to you hack. You just take little sips and little nugget bites of your yeah. thing and they're, you just look at them. I'm eating. Yeah, you bring a huge bag of macadamia nuts. <laughs> but so, so back to the original thing, it's like, okay, if we look at the track record of the entities, the power structures that have controlled the planet, all the institutions that run civilization from education to politics to the monetary system, on and on and on, medical system, right? There are great people in all of those systems, just like there's great people all over the world and equally people that are lower consciousness and have motives that are based in self-interest, that are more rapacious, you know, more of an animal nature, right? So we look at the historical track record of these entities and these entities are the same ones that are facilitating the new normal. Everything's always in three words, by the way. It's all mind control. All mind control propaganda messaging is always in three words. Think of all of them present right now in our culture. They're always three words. There's a reason for that, especially if you say the three words three times. Anyway, so this is all coming from somewhere, right? Who's it coming from? Where are these mandates coming from? Where is the science coming from? And then you start to dig a little deeper and you find corruption in the WHO. You find corruption in the CDC. You find well-qualified, well-researched, credentialed doctors being silenced from social media, going to speak at the White House. They're, they're you know, deleted from Facebook. It's like, okay, if this is true, the narrative we're being told is true entirely, then why are you afraid of people that ask questions and that people that prevent a different, present a different point of view? And more than anything for me as someone who's really into health and just, I just hate getting sick. I spent the first half of my life really sick with a lot of different things and have figured out to pretty much never get sick. So when the medical establishment is presenting this so-called pandemic and their solution to the pandemic is one thing and one thing only, or two things, three things, social distancing, wearing a toxic mask that doesn't, most of them don't prevent viruses from passing in and out anyway. It's a total farce. Um, and uh, an eventual vaccine. You know, it's like, those are our options. What about an immune system? What about being outside? What about having enough oxygen in your blood? What about cleansing heavy metals from your body, parasites from your body? What about love? What about human connection? Metabolic what about, health. Yeah, what about high intensity interval training? You know, it's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, we're hearing not one iota of that. And anyone that comes forward and says, okay, you know, maybe, maybe this thing's real, but let's get outside and get our vitamin D levels of, oh, heretic, delete him off social media. When that stuff starts happening, I'm just like, it's a hard no. I'm just not, I'm not in, I'm not in it. And yeah. I respect anyone, as I said, who believes the news when they turn it on and they're like, yes, this is the truth. I'm going to do what the TV tells me to do. And I, you know, I sound like being demeaning because I kind of am, but you know, respect that's, that's your thing, but live and let live. You know, that's one of the first things I learned when I got sober, like, just cause you got sober, you don't go around telling everyone else they need to get sober. It's disgusting. It's repulsive. You, everyone hates that person. So I'm not going to walk around pulling people's masks off their kids at the park because I think they're abusing their kids. Happens to be my belief that they are in most cases, unless it's a high risk situation and they have a real mask, you know, whatever, compromised immune system, et cetera. I mean, I have a friend with a really sick infant and, you know, we're all really careful around her. I get it, but I would be doing that anyway. Um, so 
that's my take on it. And my take on it is that the people in power that really run this world are interested in one thing and one thing only, and that's more power. And I see this as the most monumental, bold-faced power grab, not only of my lifetime, but possibly because of its scope across so many countries around the planet ever. And you have to look at the timing of the upcoming election in a few days, right? You got to look at that. People call it the election affection, uh, infection, the election infection, you know? Um, and I'm this is not like a pro or anti-Trump thing, whatever. I don't really get into politics, especially publicly, because um, I have you know, varied opinions on it. But I think the timing of it is telling. Mm. You know, our economy was doing really well. Like Orange Man or not, like the economy <laughs> was kicking ass. For real. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't care if you hate that guy. It just one thing. I don't care if it was Obama set him up for success. Like, I really don't know. I don't, I'm not knowledgeable about that. But if you look at, you know, a couple year span and you're like, ooh, there's a lot of powers and entities that do not want Orange Man to stick around and probably a lot of people as well. And then not so random that like, we're just going to completely devastate the economy, not only of this country, but of many others right at the time where that person was probably banking on that one success, if anything, like, hey, you know, unemployment rates, blah, blah, all the stuff he always talks about. So if you want to, you know, aside from assassinating someone, if you want to destroy their base and you want to destroy, I guess, their credibility and something that they feel they've accomplished while well, destroying the economy and putting the whole country into a tailspin would be a good way to do it. That's just a theory. I don't know if that's the case. And those are just things that we, you know, you can just evaluate. And yeah, I think, we'll never I know. It, I think it's a problem when people declare that as fact. And I think that's what a lot of people push against when people talk about these, quote, conspiracy theories, which I also think is kind of a way to disclaim and discard <laughs> anything that goes against the, the CIA narrative. is the one that put that, that statement or that concept right. out, a conspiracy theory. So, it's a great way to silence people with an alternative point of view or just someone going, hey, excuse me, uh, in the back, yeah, I have a question about the things that are going on. Conspiracy theorists. I mean, it's gotten ridiculous. Yeah, there's a, so that, you know, that aside, you know, it's just about acknowledging when we don't know, you know, but saying like, maybe, let's look. Let's totally. take a look at this. Like there's totally. some interesting things going on. And what are some factors of human nature? Well, one thing I know is that those confident in the truth do not fear lies. Like, there's a reason why there's been no censorship of the flat earth theory. Not one. Not one <laughs> really? flat earth theory video. Taken down? None of, not That's one has funny. been taken down. That's funny. Never, ever, ever has a flat earth theorist been Pretty taken good. down. Why? Because the people who know there's a round earth, they're not like, oh my God. Right. They're fucking questioning our beliefs. Right. They're like, okay, yeah, let them have fun. Like, go for it. Like, have the best time thinking that we're spinning around on a disc and we're held up by turtles all the way down. Like, whatever you want to think, <laughs> right. like, fucking go for it because yeah. they're not afraid of that thing. That's true. You can post about the Lumerians under Shasta. No one gives a shit. <laughs> no, right? one gives, no one gives a shit. <laughs> so, you like, you look at art. some of these factors of human nature and then you start to go, hmm, this is a little bit odd. But then there's also the argument, <clears throat> and everybody, I'm sure you've got this, like, well, this is harming public. This is dangerous information. If people have this information, it'll hurt somebody else. And what about the, you know, 200,000 to probably 215, whatever. What about all the dead people from this? And what about, you know, the million some worldwide that have died? And don't you have a heart? And it's not about you who's wearing the mask. It's about protecting everybody else. And it's given everybody else this kind of cause, this reason mm -hmm. why they can impose their will 
upon another human being. So even if you're just walking down the street, someone feels like they have the right to yell at you for not wearing a mask. And this has happened to many of my friends, even somebody who's had, hasn't happened to me, but someone who had their mask like loosely draped over their mouth almost got in a fist fight with someone who was was telling him he's got to wear his mask properly at a food park. I'm just going to say publicly, if anyone wants to come have that conversation with me, I don't know I'll, if I'm a great fighter. It's been a while, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. Just go to kiss him on the mouth. <laughs> yeah. so be, just lick, oh God, just lick your knuckles and be like, come on, big boy, let's go. Hey, I'm, Sal, I'm really not tough, but when I get pissed, I might be. I just, I don't know. It's been a while. Um, but here's here's the thing, to zoom out a little bit, you're, you're so right. And honestly, I think this is the most sad part about this is that powers that seek to divide and conquer create these sort of issues between people. They get people to self-identify. I'm virtuous. I'm a good person. I wear my mask. You're selfish. You're spreading germs and you're going to kill granny. So to me, it's all orchestrated and engineered. And um, many of the the social issues that we're facing in terms of the races and things like that. Not to say that there isn't racism and that we should do something about it, obviously. But there always have been through history, powers creating warring factions on both sides. You know, this was a huge part of the Native American Holocaust was double and also in the continent of Africa with the various tribes there where the powers that be come in and create warring factions amongst each other. And they just step out and let everyone else basically annihilate themselves because they, you know, plant a spy here and he's, you know, playing double agent and all of this kind of stuff. And that's what's going on with our minds. You know, we're being driven apart. I mean, I walk down the street now and it's like nervous about, you know, the interactions with mask people and not being one myself and things like that, that I've never had to think about. I've just for a long, long time, loved everyone, race, creed, color, care what your sexual preference is, what you wear, like live and let live, dude, be free. I'm all about freedom. Mm -hmm. And now I'm feeling like I'm right, they're wrong. Like that's not how I even think normally. That's been yeah. put in my mind because we've been put in a position out of our own perceived survival and safety as a species to take a side. You know, and it's the polarization and the duality of sides that's done intentionally that I'm also not down for. You know, that's why I say, if you feel good wearing a mask, man, that's great. You might know something I don't know. I, I've looked into the, the, what is the PRC test? Mm -hmm. uh, the guy PCR. that did PCR test, thank you. I just totally blew my credibility. The guy that invented it said it's not valid to test for this virus or any viruses. I mean, it's like the false positive test. So when we say, oh, the number's 210, you know, thousand US citizens have died of COVID. But really, like, what about all of those people that you hear reported that died of a bike accident and they call it COVID because they tested them and they have it? You know what I mean? The guy skydiving that died of COVID. I mean, it's gotten ridiculous. So what do we even trust? So when we don't trust anything and we're being lied to at least to some degree and there's this division being creative, the only thing we can go back to is the truth within our own heart and the love and compassion of ourselves and other people, especially those we disagree with, which is why I'm so adamantly against any form of censorship, even against people that I hate. Like part of me would love to see the CNN building just completely demoed like building seven on 9-11 when there's no people in it, granted for the mm -hmm. record. You know, because I just think they perpetuate so much evil um, on humanity. But I, I would fight for their, like Brian Rose always said, you know, it's a great thing. He says, I, you know, I'd, I'd fight for your right to free speech, even if I don't agree with you or something to that effect, yeah. you know? And it's like, that's what 
built Western civilization, civilization and what's allowed us to get where we are. So to me, what we've got to do, or we have the opportunity to do rather, is use this as an opportunity to awaken and for each of us to really exercise our discernment, you know, to learn about your body, to learn about research, to learn about the nature of consciousness, to know that this melodrama of the masks and the coronavirus and the lockdowns and all of this is a blip on the radar in our many lifetimes that we get to experience here. And so it can be used as an awakening if we step back far enough, I think, and get enough contrast to really see the big picture, not my opinion, your opinion, the you know WHO opinion, but what's really going on here in terms of the free human that I described earlier and the powers that be that have no desire to have free humans that want to control the free humans in every move they make. Yeah. And whether or not you agree with the statistics and the science of this whole thing, it is an opportunity to awaken and get to know yourself. That is the, that is the great gift. You yeah. know? And the great gift is even for us who think that we're all about you know, unification and really seeing everybody as a sovereign soul without judgment, beyond judgment, when we participate you know, just even without our will and intention in this, you know, division in all of the identity politics that are making groups smaller and smaller yeah. and smaller and smaller and saying, I am different than you and I'm different <laughs> than you and I'm different than you and I'm better than you because you're privileged to be in this thing and the, all of the things that are the now there. And if we get caught up in this, either being defensive or anything, then it's a reflection that we're not really grounded in our own belief of radical love. Like the moment somebody who, you know, doesn't really buy into the COVID hysteria that's there, that starts calling, you know, somebody who is wearing a mask, calling them a sheeple, you missed it. You yeah. missed, you missed yeah. your opportunity because your opportunity <laughs> is to love that person just yeah. like you love your, your buddy that you drink ayahuasca with on the other side. And, 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 like, and you guys know that there's a, a reality beyond the one that people are drunk on right now. And you have to love them the same way. And if that's, that's our opportunity. So everybody has the opportunity. Some people have the, it's all an opportunity to have the mirror about our judgment, about our racism, about all of the things that we have. If we do have privilege to acknowledge it, if, and there's, that can come in any million ways. Race is just one little small way. Every person living in the United States is privileged compared to people living in many of the countries around the world. Every, there's a million ways we can look at this. It's, but then what do we do with it? What do we do with it? And how do we love all of humanity as a whole? You know, like how do we love team people, team earth in a real like heart forward way? Acknowledge all of this other stuff and like use all of these different things to bring up further awareness of everything, but to really pass the test of this ceremony, this collective ceremony, <laughs> yeah. like you gotta, you gotta get back to those core spiritual principles that's, of unity and love. Yeah. That's good stuff, man. And I think the way in, as, you, as you're speaking, I'm like, okay, but what is, what is that? You know, what's, what am I trying to get to in terms of the solution? Because as I said, to me, the problem is oppressors and oppressed, and I wanna be free. I don't like being oppressed. I don't like seeing other people be oppressed. Okay, got that. If some people want to be oppressed or they don't know they're oppressed, or if it's just my opinion and belief that they are, but they're really free, <laughs> then fine. The key is, and, and you nailed it, in the micro-identifications that have been brought into our culture through the universities and through social media, where 
we're being sort of cornered and pushed into self-identifying. And David Icke does a great job of explaining this. Uh, self-identified into these micro, micro, micro groups. I believe that the purpose of that is collectively to get us to disidentify from who we truly are. So if I'm disconnected from the spirit that I really am, and I think I'm a white guy, I'm male, I'm heterosexual, I do this for a living, this is my style of dress, blah, 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 blah. And I keep parsing that down to the micro until I'm you know, just so isolated as this seemingly terminally unique being, then I'm further and further away from the expansive nature of consciousness that I really am as a single point of consciousness in a human body. And the more I can realize my expansive unity nature within this shell and this story and this personality, that's where the love and acceptance of myself is. And that's when I see someone, even (laughs) the people in politics, some of them that I just, oh God, they just make my skin crawl. I mean, I really think they might be reptilians. Like they're that (laughs) evil, you know? And it's like, no. They're just self-identified as something other than who and what they really are, right. which is consciousness. And they're expressing, expressing consciousness in what I determine to be a lower level of consciousness that's more in alignment with an alligator versus you know an angelic being, right? An enlightened master. And because we have the karmic opportunity to incarnate here, we have a wide spectrum of contrast we have choice. We can be the rapist, the child molester. We can be the saint. That's the gift of being human. Mm-hmm. So my job is not to judge all of those that are working their way up the scale. My job is to earnestly and honestly identify where I am on that scale of development and consciousness and continue to identify what and who I really am. And when I do that, I don't see an Asian person, a black person, a gay person, a white person. What I see is I look in your fucking eyes and I see me. When I see me and you, I can't harm you. I can't judge you. All I can do is love you. If you love yourself. Yeah. And I do. Yeah. I'm getting there. Yeah. So I don't really care what's going on with COVID, you know, at the end of the day. <laughs> it's like, it's fucking theater. But I'm going to play my part in the theater and I'm going to be half Joker, half, you know, uh, Bandit, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna speak my mind. And if I think we're being lied to, I'm gonna say what I think. And I might be wrong, I might be right, but I'm not going to be inauthentic and dishonest and fake and pretend like, oh yeah, everyone better be careful. Cause I honestly don't believe that. Right. I really don't believe that. And that's the and that's the the thing is it's it takes a lot of courage to have a nuanced opinion. Like both of us are gonna get a lot of shit for what we've been talking about today. You probably already you know, experience this. <laughs> I've and, lost a few followers along the way. <laughs> you, you, know, know what, it, you know what's great about that though, not to interrupt, but I was kind of freaking out when some of this stuff started. I just, I couldn't shut up. I've never talked about politics, social issues. My lane is like spirituality and health and biohacking. And I just, I stay in my lane. It's what I know. It's what I think I'm good at. But this was just so offensive to my reality that I had to have some of those people on. And I noticed, you know, there's a little trolling and a few people dropping off. But what's really cool, man, And this just speaks to following your heart and staying true to what you believe to be the right thing at any given moment. The people that are still in my world, you know, in my podcast and on social media and even my friends, we're even more committed to this way of life now and to one another because we see things from a similar lens. And I kind of 
pre-vet anyone that comes into my world. Now, not that we have to agree, but that they're open-minded and they can consider all points of view. Mm-hmm. Where if someone comes in and trolls and is just being a dick and you know asking me to go get an untested vaccine or something, it's like, we're probably never going to get past the point of being able to have a logical open conversation because you don't know who the fuck you are. Mm-hmm. Who you are is someone that hates yourself so much that you're projecting your hate onto me and trying to get me in that cesspool with you to suffer with you. And I ain't going to do it. I love myself too much and I love you too much, even though you don't know who the fuck you are. Mm-hmm. So you're blocked. And anyone in my world, we can all disagree, but we can be human and we can yeah. get closer and closer to the truth of what we are as individuals and as a collective. So anyone that has stuck around with me through my being somewhat outspoken about this, they're real cool people. You know, I get DMs from people sending me the craziest shit now all the time. Like, like people are coming out of the woodwork here, you know? Yeah. Like, damn, man, my, my tribe is very awake and really able to think critically and question all sides. You know, I get people sending me all kinds of anti-Trump shit on him and other people telling me oh, what a great stuff that he's done. And, you know, I haven't heard anything great about the other side. <laughs> no, one, no one's like, hey, this guy's done some cool stuff except sniff little girls or whatever. But... um. <laughs> It's like, you guys can edit that part out. No, I'm really going to get fucked with. No, honestly, but it's the theater of it all. Really, I think that's what I would implore everyone. You know, you you do the best you can to take, (laughs) not to take yourself seriously, but to take the mission of getting to know one's true self. That's the only thing that's serious. And everything else ultimately is theater. And we do the best we can as we go to do what we believe to be right at the time, you know, and to stay authentic, to stay in integrity. And if that means people don't like me, man... I look forward to the day when I really, really don't care, Aubrey. Now I still care a bit. I don't like getting trolled and I don't like rejection. I still am a bit sensitive, honestly, you know? So if anyone wants to troll me, it it might hurt a little, but I'm getting thicker skin, you know, because I'm learning who I am and I'm believing in that more. And I really look up to someone like a David Icke. I mean, you know, he's had some theories that are a bit out there, but most of the shit he's talked about for 30 years, he's right. But when I talk to that guy, he's free. He literally does not give one single fuck what anybody thinks of him. And I think that's a very redeeming quality. And I would like to get there somewhere someday myself. And I think how you get there is you're willing to be your authentic self, say what's on your mind, say what you believe to be true and right, and be willing to take the arrows and be willing to not be liked and to surrender that addiction to approval. That's what any hero story would say. You know, any hero story is someone who sticks to their beliefs despite whatever oppression and despite whatever mob rule is trying to, you know, push them from their path. That is the hero's journey to really trust yourself, you know, in that deep way. And it's not, it's certainly not easy. You know, we're certainly conditioned in a different way, especially, you know, and, uh, and that's, that's the, the interesting challenge and the invitation. And I think that's also another gift that this collective thing is, it's just ringing the bell saying, <laughs> everybody, yeah, you're comfortable. You're comfortable, you know, biohacking, you know, personal development. I'm comfortable in a very similar lane, you know, yeah. I got on it. And it's as things get a little bit more uncomfortable in the external, it's like, okay, well, now we need to stand in and take a few more arrows. And this is just what we're being called to do now. And ultimately, the the most important thing for anybody listening, no matter what side, just be comfortable with, I don't know. I don't really know. Like, I, I'm not sure. Maybe, you know, maybe COVID is as deadly as people think, and we just haven't seen it yet, or it's one mutation away. Maybe. If that happens, like, I'm fucking open to that. You <laughs> I know? just had an idea for Twitter. You know, he have what is it, 240 characters? They should, like... Uh, 
they should force into your thread. I'm just going to say this, but I could be wrong. Like that's like, <laughs> you have to start your tweet with that automatically. It's just in the in the thing, right? Just like- just And then like, you can say whatever bullshit. Just like your say. emails from your phone is like sent from my iPhone. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like always yeah. in there. Yeah, this tweet could be um, uh, mistaken. Anyway, here's what I think about so-and-so. <laughs> yeah, because it's, really it's really the truth. You know, this I, I, is just us thinking critically, thinking in a nuanced way. And people, people are uncomfortable with that right now. They want that kind of just- clean mob mentality this is the consensus narrative and and really that's uh that's a dangerous place to be in <laughs> i find that so hard squashing I'm, the nuance i mean yeah i find that you know not to go backwards because i feel like we've made progress in our awakening here in this conversation but i think about the idea of just going click turn on the tv and oh that's what it says that's what's going on. i mean think the iraq war weapons of mass destruction the the most devastating fake news that's ever been perpetuated on this country. And think of the tens of thousands of brown people that died as a result of that. If you want to talk about like dealing with racism, blame the fucking news that got all mm-hmm. those people blown up. You know, that's when he, so it's like, that's where it gets hard for me to just have compassion for people that aren't willing to think critically and aren't to say like, Hey, maybe the news is right. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. But they got that shit wrong and a lot of people suffered, not to mention our own, you know, mm-hmm. uh, military that, that went over there. And a lot of them are still over there in Afghanistan. You know, this, I mean, I like to point these things out to people like, remember that thing when they lied really bad and it hurt a lot of people? Doesn't mean everything they say is a lie, but a lot of it is. So let's have discernment and think about their track record and pick it apart a bit before we just like, I'm taking a side. This is the side that I'm going to be able to virtue signal from and show everyone I'm a good person because I'm going along with the official narrative and the mandates. I'm not doing that until I feel like it's the right thing to do. Is there is there a point like, <clears throat> so think of this example. I mean, I've heard some people talk about how the government may have had advanced news that Pearl Harbor was going to happen. That Japanese oh, yeah. bombers were coming <laughs> to bomb Hawaii and they let it happen yeah. so that, so that, that would incite and get the Amer- get America behind entering World War II. Now, this is a very interesting thing. Let's suppose, for example, just as a pure thought experiment, pure thought experiment, because this is really, and I've thought about this. Oh, I think I know where you're going with this. This is deep. so yeah. So you know, Hitler's out there, right. you know, throwing people in ovens by the million, you know, and just rampaging across Europe, looking to change the scope of Western civilization. And if America doesn't get involved, the devastation that is going to take over all of Western Europe and perhaps beyond is immense, immense. And so if that was, and I'm not saying it is the only option, you know, I'm not not presupposing that, but let's just for this thought experiment say the only way the only way to get America behind this, to do this thing that we deeply believe is right, is to not, you know, not alert the people that the Japanese bombers are coming, allow it to happen, show the death of American life, get America behind, and cause us to go into this war to stop Hitler from you know, perpetrating his evil on the world. Yeah. That's one of those fucking like tough one, tough thought experiments, Dude, right? That's so good, man. You know, um, that's that thing I was talking about earlier, really zooming out, not this micro experience of this incarnation, but all life. You have one long life, right? And 
each lifetime like you and I are having right now is just just a punctuation point, like or a scene in a long movie, right? So if you zoom out from the micro close-up perspective, it's like these bastards, the US government, how could they do that? They let those, you know, however many thousands of people die in Pearl Harbor, they knew it was gonna happen, they could have stopped it because we had just gotten out of World War I, no one was down with war. This country was decimated in so many ways. So no one's gonna be like, yeah, cool, let's invade Europe. To zoom out like that, that's critical thinking. That's an open mind. That's such a healthy mind. Like, okay, you know, they did this thing, but we don't know the whole story. And I've never thought about the World War II false flag. I've thought about the Gulf of Tonkin, which led us into the Vietnam War, which I can't see any good reason for that. But 9-11, dude, I had the same thought one day. I was like, okay, is there another way to look at this? Because as I gained more facts, I realized I don't know what happened, but I know what we were told happened is not the truth. It's so obvious. And I could go on for hours about why that is so. But, you know, some 4,000 odd people died. And I thought, why, you know, why would our government be a part of that, allow that, help facilitate that to whatever degree they were involved or knowledgeable about that particular massacre? Why would they ever do that? Is it just that they're evil and they wanted to usher in the Patriot Act and have a power grab like what's happening around pandemic situation? And then one day I thought that same thing. I was like, Luke, how does your dumbass know that there was some deal with Saudi Arabia and the you know the oil fields in Iraq and the opium in Afghanistan? There's power plays going on there that you know the president doesn't even have knowledge of. You know what I mean? It's like maybe our economy would have crashed and hundreds of thousands of people would have starved. The food supply could have been interrupted because you know they're going to go off the U.S. dollar for oil. You know, I mean things I have no idea about. And having those kind of thoughts to me is very freeing because I get attached to this idea about like what's right and what's wrong mm-hmm. without really knowing the full story. And I think having the humility to know and admit that you don't know the whole story in the case that you just gave makes life a lot more free. And it enables us to surrender some of that blame and self-righteousness and that shell of ego in me that says 9-11 was wrong, what they did was wrong. When the the aftermath of what might have happened, I mean, again, I'm just like you theorizing, might have been much more devastating to many more people. Now, I don't think honestly that's the case. Yeah, but like we're for doing you, a thought experiment. Yeah, thought experiment. It's like we don't know. We're ants in a system <laughs> watching a box. We're being told what to believe. Yeah, we don't have the, we don't have the purview. Yeah, and so you know, with that, I think again, taking you know things with a grain of salt and kind of learning how to wear the world as a loose garment and not get too caught up in any dogmatic point of view, although it probably seems like I am about some few things, but that's that's kind of where I find the balance is just try to expand my awareness and my thought process. Literally, you know, there's so many infinite possibilities and that's why certainty is absolutely foolish. What if, what if they're actually inserting in the COVID vaccine a vaccination against some war of the world, <laughs> right, alien right. fucking <laughs> alien disease that's going to come and literally wipe us all out? And they have advanced knowledge about that, and they're like, "Fuck, we can't tell everybody that an alien disease is coming." It'll be sheer panic. The world will completely right. devolve. We got to make this COVID thing, and then we got to put this other shit in this vaccine, and like, we got to save the people. <laughs> like, that's hilarious. Highly dude. unlikely, but yeah. you know. Like you have to be open to any possibility that there is a benevolent conspiracy ultimately or a tough decision. I mean, we've all looked at the greatest generals of all time that we put up on the highest pedestal and every single one of them sent a force towards sheer death, said, you soldiers charge this area, get the attention there while we flank them from the other sides. 
they actually, fuck, that's a hard decision. Like, yeah. can you do that to win the war, to prevent more life, to end? And every single general you look at has made that decision. You're the one who climbed this rampart. We'll go flank them from the other side. Like, that's one of the most common moves that you see. You see it in all old movies and new war movies. It's it's just the way of things. And it's like, it's a fucking... I couldn't, I couldn't even fathom making that decision because some part of you wants to say that no good can come from an evil act. I'm like, yeah, all right, that's, that makes sense from a platonic ideal standpoint. But you start getting put in these tough choices and you're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, like, yeah, that's a really good point. You know, and thinking about, you mentioned earlier, just, you know, not like I'm the biggest, world's biggest victim or anything, but I went through a lot of trauma as a kid and there were years where I thought, God, you know, how could this have happened to me? This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Like, how could these things be perpetuated on a kid and all this kind of stuff? And now it's taken a lot of work to get there, but now it's all perfect. I mean, I see exactly why everything happened and everything that's happened in my life has made me into the man I am right here for better or for worse. And it's a man that I'm beginning to really love and honor more and more all the time. And so how am I to say if I didn't go through that one traumatic experience and I just delete that from the record that I would be the same person I am today. And in the macro, what we're going through right now, and this is kind of in the more, you know, the broad spectrum, great awakening and taking it as an advantage is perhaps this is the trauma that humanity needs right now, whether it's real or imposed for us to have the same opportunity to really look at where we are as a species. And to get out of this lower level of duality. I mean, obviously we can't get all the way out of it unless we all leave the body, but we could do better than we are. (laughs) You know, I I have full faith that humanity is capable of elevating itself out of some of the predicaments that we found ourselves in. And if you look at the scale of consciousness over the vast expanse of time, humanity has gone from barbaric, warring idiots. I mean, we're still here. We've got more technology now, but I would say generally speaking, the human as a species over eons and eons of time is becoming more indisputable. It's indisputable. You know, we're a kinder, more humane, you know, species than we've ever been, despite the atrocities that are still being committed. But if you look at it, you know, on a percentage basis of what was going on in every system, the medical system, the mental health system, you know, genocide, you know, torture of different of different varieties. Like it, you don't have to go back that far to start seeing crazy shit in every different category that is getting better. And in a way, like one of the things that advances growth is the darkness really serves the light in that way. You know, like would and I always say this, but like if it wasn't for you know Sauron and Saruman, the two dark wizards who brought the darkness into Middle Earth. Would the, would the hobbits ever left their shire to meet with the dwarves who are in the mountain, to meet with the elves who are in the forest, to meet with the, the great <laughs> white wizard Gandalf and the humans and bring right. them all together in a fellowship and bring a lasting alliance of a community of brothers and sisters together if there wasn't a common cause? Hell no. So the Middle Earth that existed past the time where the orcs were all gathered and looked to destroy everything was a better Middle Earth than there might have ever been because the dwarves 
dwarves would have continued fighting the elves. Fucking Gimli and Legolas would have been trying to shoot each other with arrows and stab each other with axes. Instead, they're like hanging out and making jokes with each other. And so maybe that world that was birthed from the darkness, the darkness was serving the light the whole time. They were just blindly and ignorantly serving the light, all guided by source, knowing that humanity learns resistance, creating adaptation. And this is all happening exactly fucking perfect. Yeah, I, I really hope so, man. And I, I, have to, <laughs> I have to hang on to that. And, you know, I hope someday I'm sitting around with my grandkids going, oh, man, 2020, it was a shit show. And, you know, I want to tell them I did my best to uplift. Mm-hmm. I did my best to be honest, to share truth. I was willing to not be liked. I was willing to be counter narrative, you mm-hmm. know, and, and maybe I was wrong. But I think we're going to look back on this and go, man, that was brutal, but it was one of the best things that ever happened because it caused so many people to wake up. I mean, dude, like I said, people are sending me things on social media. Moms in the Midwest, like sending me conspiracy stuff that are true, you know, like not even out there stuff, just stuff that I already know. And I'm like, what? Look at their profile. And I go, how did they get into this? <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's like, because people, the people that are thinking critically at this point in history are being forced to kind of dig for information because they're finding that's what being, what's being force fed to them is not satisfactory. And there's something in them that's like, ah, eh, this is off. You know, so I think we're we're seeing like a mushroom bloom of people going, you know, I want to think for myself. I'm going to do some research. I'm going to talk to some people. I'm going to figure this thing out. Yeah. So I do think on the other side of this, there is going to be and probably is already a huge awakening. And plant medicines are a huge part of that, in my opinion. No fucking doubt. You know? You know, no I doubt. Mean, Every time I'm in a journey, I'm like, everyone needs to do this. <laughs> like, we need to put this in the DC water. You know what I mean? Like, every time. And then I come out, I'm like, ah, irresponsible. You can't really do it's that. It's your own you know? form of oppression. Yeah. You know, it's it's like this conscious oppression of like, oh, I want to influence their own karmic life path yeah. and like deny them the ability to serve. You know, and that's why looking at this, looking at this election, I cannot choose a side because I cannot know with foresight whether we need things to get worse or better. I also don't know which is going to be worse or better. So, but I mean, I have some inclinations, but nonetheless, it's like, maybe we need things to get worse. Like, I don't know. Like, what do you, like, it does it, should we stop the bleeding here and move forward? This country needs to get sober, bro. It needs to hit a bottom and we're doing it. That's it. Out of the bottom. I mean, that's a big part of addiction, right? Like yeah. rock bottom is a real fucking yeah. thing. And if you keep keep cushioning right before rock bottom, you're just going to keep smoking crack until you hit it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like to to me, the uh, the Federal Reserve is our enabler. <laughs> <laughs> Printing fake fiat money, you know. Yeah. Oh, need more money? There you go. You know, there's a whole other I mean, we need a couple but... trillions? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got that. Yeah, stimulus, no problem. We don't even need to print it Roll anymore. Roll the press. We, yeah, we, just, we just click enter. Yeah, totally. That's true. So yeah, I think that's a that's a really good distinction there. I'm going to hang on to that, that, you know, we're we're all kind of hitting a bottom and we're waking up at different stages of the game. And, you know, I didn't want to end up where I was 24 years ago, a complete train wreck at 26 years old. But thank God I did, man, because it was the beginning of... Um, being teachable and humble and having an open mind and going, wow, I'm not as smart as I thought I was. You know, I used to like be literally doing the gutter, looking up at people 
that had jobs going like, what a fucking loser. <laughs> you should be down here with this homeless guy behind the dumpster smoking crack. What a square. You know what I mean? It's like, that's how delusional. And I think, you know, as a society, in many ways, we're that way too. We're just drunk on our own laziness and convenience and how easy things have been for us. So maybe when this shakeup, you know, we'll get down to brass tacks. And I know so many people are moving to the country, myself included, and people are having kids and kind of going, what am I doing? Like, why do I live in a city? Why am I in this rat race? Mm. You know, like maybe there's and another why are, way. Why are we going to the office? We've been doing better yeah, working yeah. from home anyways. Maybe there's another way to do this. So yeah. I think it is going to be a positive shakeup. I, I know you probably don't have much time because your shows aren't five hours like mine, but um, <laughs> and you can see there's a reason why they are. I get excited. But dude, you got married? Yeah. Okay. You just met my wife. Yeah. Okay. I thought so. Okay. Yeah. And I got engaged. I know. Look at us. So go. we're going to, we'll do another one. Maybe you come on my show and we'll talk about, Fuck yeah. you know, healing the, the masculine, healing the feminine and, and, you know, what it's taken to get what I'm assuming into is a healthy relationship. Cause That's I know mine unbelievably is. beautiful. Yeah. yeah it's, like, it's really a gift. So I just, I wanted to make sure I, you know, got that right and mentioned that to you, but um, you know, that also is in a similar way, an analogy to what we're talking about. For me, I, I mean, I had to go through a lot of pain and put a lot of other people through pain before I was really willing to open my heart completely and just go, yes, well, let's do this. You know, yeah. luckily I found someone um, in a peyote ceremony. Well, I didn't meet her there, but that's what facilitated it. And uh, it's an incredible thing, you know, to, to have healed to the point where I can really be in a healthy bond with someone who's also done the work. It's incredible. So a lot has changed there since I last saw you. Yeah, it sounds man. like it has for you too. It's awesome. We all got to get together. Yeah, yeah for sure. So That'd yeah. Be great. Well, thank you so much, brother. This is fucking awesome. So cool. I'm glad this worked out because I leave for Sedona Sunday to uh, escape the election fallout. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be gone for uh, November, you know, at least. We'll see how it goes. Maybe forever, just abandon the house and <laughs> move to the woods in Idaho or something. But yeah, I really, you know, I appreciate you inviting me on. It's of great course, to man. see you guys. and. Catch up. So much has happened since we last talked. So it's been absolutely. Really uh, obviously, where can people find you? Yeah, my uh, website, if people still use those, is lukestory.com, S T O R E Y. And I'm um, on Instagram at Luke Story. I do a lot of action over there, live streaming right now. I live stream everything and anything I do aside from taking dumps. And uh, well, there's, also, there's your edge. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> I also just created a really great online course that's uh, it's called the EMF Home Safety Masterclass. And you can find that at lukestory.com slash EMF Masterclass. And that's where I teach people how to deal with all of the toxicity in their home that is invisible. Mm -hmm. So that's like my first, you know, online offering. And it's been really fun to put that out. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's where you can find me and all my stuff. Beautiful, man. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you. A real pleasure. Yep. And thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We love you, whoever you are, whatever you believe. We love you. Amen. 